Now, now, as I said by here, so today is going to be a bit different. Né? So just please uh, allow me to... Uh, I, I spent quite a, a significant time today truly trying to process everything that God is saying to us and also about the service. I, I get very nervous when I'm up here. Forgive me. Because one thing I know is that you're not here to see us. You, you're, you're not here because of our great biblical exegesis or hermeneutics. <laughs> you, 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 you're, you're not here because of our eschatology. Uh, amen. <laughs> you want to give me water? <laughs> but I respect your hunger for God. You know, yeah, I do. I do. You see, Basalana, if you've never had the, the advantage of seeing things happen in the body of Christ and then change over time. You don't have the advantage of comparing. We were fortunate, many of us, to have come to know Christ in the 70s and 80s at the height and at the peak of even the beginning of the charismatic movement and the Pentecostal church was already there. But in the 70s, uh, many people got saved in their youth and movements like Youth Alive, Teen Outreach, Youth for Christ, all those were very instrumental in God, saving lots of young people. When, you are, when, you, when something is happening like that and you see young people being saved, churches being started, churches growing, people coming to church in large numbers, the spirit flowing. You think that's the way things are every day. You only realize when that begins to wane and when that doesn't happen anymore, that that time when that happened, it was because of what Pastor Ray McCollywood called a divine visitation. These things can only be so because the hand of God is on them. And I know that more than anybody about what's going on in our church and in other churches, of course, and what goes on in these prayer meetings, the thousands of you who come, that people are here from 4 o'clock. And when this auditorium opens at 5 o'clock, it's almost filled up in five minutes. That doesn't happen every day. And for that reason, when I stand here, I feel a huge burden and a sense of responsibility that I speak as of the oracles of God. Amen. That the mind of God and the heart of God will be expressed without one elevating himself to what is not. But also, I'm also aware of the prophetic nature of these times that if we do not speak to our generation what's timely, what God's doing cannot be carried to the next generation. Because oftentimes the move of God dies with the next generation. So tonight, I'm going to be talking a lot about the transgenerational nature of how God works. There's a lot I'm going to talk about. So, you know, even if you are taking notes, try to listen and write less. 
Write whatever, but listen, at the end, we're going to pray. It's going to be different tonight. I want to underline that. So I'm going to ask you again, please cooperate. But I want to start, first of all, by showing us a bit of a clip. It's a long one, but it's a necessary one. When we were doing the honoring of the gospel veterans here, let me give you the background. For the last five years, I strongly felt in my heart that we needed to show honor to women and men that God has used as pioneers of the gospel. Of course, being charismatic, Pentecostal, it was mostly people in that sector. Not that the other people are not used by God, but these are the ones that we know more about. But I also had felt that our generation really had not worked honorably towards the, our predecessors. We didn't honor them in the way we talked about them. We didn't honor them in the way we behaved towards them. I remember when I started going to Rhema, I had been attending Apostolic Faith Mission, and the reason I attended Apostolic Faith Mission is because that I went to an Apostolic Faith Mission Bible school. But I was from the Dutch Reformed Church. So when I went to the college at my church in Dutch Reform, they said, you know what? We can note the way God has anointed you, you would suit better among Pentecostal people. And I thank God that they said that. And they, you know, they were honest about it. So I started attending AFM, not so much because I was a member, but because I was in the Bible school, I was still searching for a church. Nonetheless, I attended the AFM in Zone 9, Meadowlands. Is, I also say Zone 6, Meadowlands. I always say it's Zone 9. And the reason I'm standing here is because uh, Muruti Gerald, who is here today, it was his dad who was my first pastor. His father was my spiritual father like I'm his spiritual father today. Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> but... But then because I was working at Rema, it was required of us to attend Rema as workers there at Rema. You couldn't work there and not attend the church. So I then left and went to attend Rema, but I didn't leave in a proper way. I just left. You understand what I'm saying? I just left. I just disappeared. And of course, as you've heard my story as working at Rema, then, then there's then... Pastor Ray assigned me to go lead a church, this church, blah, 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 blah. So I started running that, you know, so Little fail later, what I'm trying to say. So then, several years later, as I was praying, I noted that, you know what? I didn't handle this thing well. I left without properly communicating with my pastor. He must be wondering where I am. So it was a year or so, it wasn't too much, but then I went to go and see my pastor, and first of all, I apologized. Secondly, I asked him to forgive me, which he did. And thirdly, I started, we brought him here at the church, honored him, and that building over there, he dedicated it. His name is on that building there, our children's church building, because I wanted to be sure I do it right. Okay. But I, I noticed more and more that this attitude of dishonor seems to be very prevalent particularly in Southern Africa. When I started traveling the continent, the broadness of the continent, and going mostly to West Africa, I was shocked by how they honor their pastors. 
I was totally bowled over by the way they show honor to men and women of God, but I know as well it was not like that years ago. It started with a certain generation. So this burden started in me, Bazalana. But then as I prayed, I realized that there are certain things that God wants to do in Southern Africa. God wants to release us into a certain fullness of anointing that we will never participate in as long as we walk in a spirit of dishonor. So for five years, I, I had it on my heart that we need to find a way we can check in Southern Africa the people who have been pioneers and, and, and have been leading the gospels and veterans of the gospel have a major service for them where we can honor them. And it didn't happen for five years. Several of them passed on, but I'm glad that in December we did that service. I'm glad we did. Some of them had passed on even locally. Dr. Ragimani, one of them that we're going to honor. There are several of them that we're going to honor who passed on. Now, let me say something, Bazarana, before we show the clip. If you remember, in terms of what was going on weather-wise, we were going through a very serious time of drought. Even if we're still having it, but it was terrible. And there was no indication. Even the, meteorolo the, the meteorologist, whatever they call it, they, they were not anticipating or predicting any form of weather change. There was none of that. But the, the week when we honored the gospel veterans, that Friday, and they made a declaration, and one of them, even Litlautla, what he said in the video that you're going to be watching, watching now, said this is about climate change. Now, the, the week following, it started raining for two solid weeks, almost nonstop. For me, it was a physical sign of what God is about to do spiritually. Oh, come on, somebody. Yeah. Now, Tonight, I want to put into perspective what that day was about and, and, and preach a prophetic message to show you the interconnectedness of generations and why it was important for us to do what we did and why it's important for us to understand what happened so that we know how to position ourselves for what's coming. Let me say it again. There's a spiritual awakening that is on the horizon. You didn't hear me. I said, there's a divine visitation that is on the horizon. The heavens are about to break with the rain of heaven. And the anointing is about to come upon the church once more. If you realize, we've gone through a period of Shame the last few years. The charismatic church being shamed by people who have done funny things. Feeding people rats, giving people grass, petrol, all kinds of fake things until the name of Christ has been dishonored because of us. But I'm here to tell you God is about to take away our shame. Because the true move of God among the church the charismatic church is about to be realized again. So tonight's message is going to be very important and very prophetic. But before we go into that message, I wanted to watch these clips. I'm sorry they're long. I wanted them to be shorter. 
But it's important for you to hear everything. I just want to say the Lord bless you uh, for what you are doing. Um, yeah. God had to talk to somebody. And you are the person the Lord spoke to. And would like to pronounce blessings on you and the church. May God bless you. Gulonyaga, the 10th of January 2019, celebrate to 60 years in Cindy Seaway. Thank you. Gutigunyaga, warm with celebration, you wamgeduches. So no, Ningenzelin to Entreganga. Aglu looked hand in daughter, got to Hailenga Itandan. I don't know if you believe it. In, in the change of the weather, of climate change. But you've changed the climate. Bishop, when I say you've changed the climate, you know children, grandchildren, are feeling sometimes their parents and grandparents are not being appreciated. That's why I want to thank you very, very much on behalf of my family and my church for what you've done. God bless you. Thank you. This church was started under heavy prayer. He is a great man of prayer. And that's why we see these things happening today because this man has been with the Lord. And I believe that's why God, he understands and hears God's word. What I would like to say, Bishop, is that you have been repeating the words time and again that we must forgive you. You are well forgiven. And and I believe that the Lord is going to bless you, the leadership, and this church. And what what has happened today is going to spread to other denominations so that people might know it. In Jesus' name, amen. Mechebaratua, kilebocha di tapelo, tse etuang ki putekhoye, din tapela ur kinne ki tselepi, kubulela efangheli, Yo in Tengim Pulukileka Genu, Paul Ailing Ari. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Nimo Tiarapela Hurmudim Ah Kisekolo M. Minahani. Double portion of the Holy Spirit upon his servant. Lim Mewaruna, Lil leadership, 
liphuthe hoye ibe ecetsing ka moya o hanalela Bishop Musa Sono should not ask forgiveness from us, the so-called legends, heroes, whatever we are called. We should apologize to the young generation of leaders because we did not pass on the torch and the burden of leadership to others, the next generation. We thank you, Grace Bible Church, and the leadership for these honors, and God bless you. I've got a letter here from Pastor Ray um, addressed to Bishop my bishop and the leadership of Grace Bible Church. Bishop Musa, in the midst of greatness, your success, you have always walked with humility. You have always walked. You have always walked with utmost integrity towards your elders. And I think, I think today, is a, is a classical example of your humility and always honoring. And I, it's my prayer that God will give you a long life with your family. Yeah. Number 6, 24 and 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up your, his countenance upon you and give you peace. Pastor Emma Coley, thank you. So ya bo ngamfundis unkulunkulu asiqinele wena. Unkulunkulu abwenze may God the spirit which is in you may spread to all the younger pastors to follow suit as we have done today. I do believe they are learning a lesson because you have done something which we have never expected. May God keep you May God bless you. May God multiply you so that the work you are doing here, it can spread throughout the whole world. God bless you. Thank you. My husband was a living example until he took his last breath. I wish to thank Bishop again, together with Mama and the leadership of this church for what you have done. Not forgetting 
the old man who have slept, you picked him up like other heroes. Thank you very much. I just want to thank you. I trust the time has come that Africa message must be heard. Our revival must be read. And that the continent has been having fire for a long time. But its time has come. And what you have studied now, I believe the best is yet to come. Thank you once again, Bishop, and thank you for your wife, thank you for your leaders, and thank you for Grace Bible Church, for the gift I receive on behalf of my wife and the ministry and the nation of Botswana. God bless you. My prayer that God will continue blessing you. Remain that humble spirit of humility, and God is going to do more through you. God bless you. Thank you. What you did today, you declared a state of emergency to the kingdom of hell. Because no man can do what you have done, except if the power of the Holy Spirit is upon his life. To honor the pioneer of the gospel is only by the Spirit of the Lord. Not by mind, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And God is going to bless you in such a way that He's going to give you the key to open wherever you have never been. God is going to touch the nations because of what you have done. I'm speaking from the experience. And thank you very much. May the Lord bless you, you and your wife, and your executive, and also the entire church. We love you, and we'll see you in Lesotho very soon. Man of God, I am saying, may the Lord God Almighty always remember you. Because, because you have honored us. And may the Lord God Almighty remember you and protect you, your wife, your family, and this church the Grace Bible Church. Give the Lord a big hand, Barcelona. Amen. Oh, come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a big hand of praise. Come on, let's stand and give the Lord a big hand of praise. Somebody in the house. Hallelujah. You know what? I believe that what was said, much as it was said, some of it over my life, over this church, I believe it was just symbolic of what's coming upon Southern Africa. Amen. And today I would love for you to receive that blessing in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
I said, I'd love for you to receive that blessing. Let that portion be yours. I believe that something is changing in the atmosphere, in the spiritual atmosphere. God is turning things around. Can I hear an amen? Like Bishop Cody Sang said, we have declared a state of emergency. The power of God is about to move mightily. Raise your hands and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, everybody. Pray in the Holy Ghost in this place. Pray in the Holy Ghost and thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the change and the transformation. We thank you to be able to experience a shift in the atmosphere, a shift in the spiritual realm. Open our eyes as the sons of Issachar that we may be able to read the signs and the times, that we may be able to see what you are doing, that we may embrace where you're taking us. Rebeleboto salabarabando rebakata rabaloke bakala desa labarabako rebalabando rasalababa shalabariata preparbotere variato labapo prefelabars mama nombe rabalabako prepermadare baselababoba as you pray in the Holy Ghost let the anointing of God come upon you Lord pour out that anointing of the change of season Prepare us, put us into another dimension. Empower us even on things that we couldn't do before. Doors that couldn't be opened before. You've declared through your servants, you're giving us the key. We're going where we have never gone before. That the church will rise in power, in anointing. That the church will rise by the glory of God. As we stand right now, everybody just remain right where you are. Please listen to me. I was going to keep these prayer points at the end, but we're going to start praying now and I'll preach afterwards. The anointing is already on this house. Just continue. Here we go. First of all, we want to pray for the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's what those veterans did. And we're picking up the baton from them and we're continuing with preaching the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let's pray for that right now. Pray for that right now. Father, we will preach this gospel to the ends of the earth. Raise missionaries, raise evangelists, raise a heart in churches that will preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Break us out of our cocoons. Break us out of our churches. Remove this small-mindedness attitude in us that it's only us and our local churches. Plant again a seed of missions within us. Plant again a burden to cross rivers, to cross oceans to fly over mountains, raise people who will give up their lives, oh God, fully, to serve in other countries, to go there with their whole families, to give their whole life to serve a nation. Sikatata, 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 sikatata. Maria Cabra far patera fatabra satelabato. Pray, Basalona, pray, pray. Father, help us not just to be bound to our own vicinities, our own places of natural birth. Break us out to go to the nations of the world. 
That's your assignment. You told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Let your spirit move within our hearts again for people to want to be missionaries, for people to want to move into evangelism. Let our churches not be stagnant. Let's not only focus on the people that we have. Help us to reach out to those who are lost. In the name of the Lord Jesus. The second thing that we did to pick up from the gospel veterans, the pioneers who have gone before us, is to go into nations and make disciples of all nations. God has assigned us to go into nations and disciple them. Make disciples of all nations. To go into a nation and turn the heart of an entire nation in the direction of God. Let's pray about that. Father, we want to go into nations. Give us nations as an inheritance. Give us the heart to go into nations. Nations whose language we don't speak. Nations whose culture is not our natural culture. Nations that we may not feel equipped to be able to operate in them. But Father, we will go into those nations. And Ibeza, Braformanese, Telababa, Randa Rabakuta, Brapala Maria, Telabasa, Rabalabako, Brapalamato, Lebasi, Telababo, Shebahaba, Salamahama, Brabalbadeker, Bedabrapalaman, Satalaba, Riparabode, Satrafrafan, Manamala, Tatasatalababa, Debarabako, Rafalabaka, Brabalabako. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The third thing we need to pray about is for God to raise up workers for the kingdom of God. My prayer is that some of you, God will touch you tonight to want to be a worker for the kingdom of God. That some of you young people, God will call you tonight. That the voice of God will stir up on the insides of you for you to give your life to saving Jesus. Let's pray about that. God raise up workers for the kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, you said the harvest is plenteous. But the laborers are few. You said we should pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, that you will raise up more laborers. We pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, raise up laborers. Raise up laborers even here tonight. Let people here tonight experience your voice calling them. Let people here tonight hear the voice of God calling them. Let people here tonight, not only in this church, not only in this auditorium, but those who are streaming from around the world, those who are streaming in all different buildings, let there be a confirmation on their spirit. Let there be a stirring on the insides of them. For them to Raise up workers, we pray. Number four, we want to pray for the planting of churches. And the building of buildings for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Father, we pray that buildings will be built for your glory. We pray that land will be available. We pray that councils, as they sit down, they will be sympathetic to the church. We pray that those who would stand in the path of the church, 
those who will stand in the path of the church in building and expanding we pray that you will remove them in the name of Jesus we pray that you will take them out of the way in the name of Jesus we pray for divine favor we pray for divine intervention that land will be available for the churches that buildings will be built for the church buildings will be bought for churches we pray father God that the laws of this land will never be laws that will stop the church from operating as it should we also pray for the church that it will comply with all the laws that are necessary but we also pray that the authorities oh God will not in any way abuse the laws and try to block the way of the church we pray that churches will be built we pray that churches will be planted we pray for the rural areas we pray for the informal settlements we pray for the cities we pray for the suburbs we pray for the gated communities we pray that churches will be there in schools we pray that churches will be there all over the place we pray that the church again will rise that it will not just be buildings but it will be buildings where the glory of god is manifested in the name of jesus hallelujah number five we want to pray that the church will align itself with the core of the commands of Jesus Christ. The church has walked away from what Jesus said and we are doing things that Jesus never said that we should do. We are emphasizing things that Jesus said we should never emphasize. Let us pray. Father, we want to do the things that Jesus said. We want to go back to the commands of Jesus. The command to preach the gospel. The command to spread the gospel all over the world. The command to love one another the command to make disciples of all nations we pray that in our programs we pray that in our conferences we pray that in our sermons we will go back to the mission of christ we will talk about the mission of christ we will expand the mission of christ we will busy ourselves with the mission of christ oh we pray in the name of jesus that our heart will be taken by the mission of christ that our spirits will be taken by the mission of Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray God that at the core of what we do in our churches, all the activities of our churches, all our prayers, our music, our songs, our budgeting, our money, our giving, our activities, our conferences, our seminars, it will be about that we should be about our Father's business. This is our prayer. Hallelujah. Number six, I want us to pray in line with what Jesus said, that the church will once more be a house of prayer. Instead of us being a house, of, a house where people come to get blessings, a house where people come to do all kinds of funny things, uh, get prophecies and all that, even if all of that is correct, but that once more we should be a house of prayer. Let's pray again that the anointing of God will fill the church to overflowing. That as people walk through the doors of the church, they will sense a presence like they have never sensed before. Let us pray. Father, let once more the church be the house of prayer. Even as we are praying, let this prayer saturate this place. Let this prayer saturate this house. Let this house be a house of prayer. Let the house, this house be a house where the prayers of your saints lingers on. Let there be a fragrance that rises from this place. A fragrance that rises into the nostrils of God. A fragrance that rises up into heaven. And just like it was, oh God, in the days of Cornelius, where you will say that our prayers have come as a remembrance before you. And that the heavens respond to the prayers that go up from this place. Just like you said in the book of Chronicles, now my ears will be open to the prayers that will be in this house. Let your prayers be open in the houses.
of God. Let the churches be places where prayers will rise up. Where we will pray for our nation. We will pray for people. We will bring people's needs before you. In the name of Jesus. And finally, number seven, I want us to pray that the church will preach the uncompromised, unadulterated word of God. That we will not compromise what the word of God says. We will preach that gospel in season and out of season. That God will give us the boldness. We don't have to try and please anybody. We don't have to try and tickle anybody's ears. We're not going to draw back from declaring the truth of the gospel. We will preach that truth no matter the cost. Let us pray right now in the name of Jesus. Father, help us to be committed to the preaching of the gospel. That even in times where society is trying to tell us that we are backwards. Even in times when society's moral seems to be different to you. Even in times when society is normalizing things that are against your word. That we will not be afraid to declare your word. Not only will we declare your word, we will live by your word. We will talk your word. We will think your word. We will meditate your word. We will teach your word when we rise. We will talk about it in our houses. We will write this as frontlets on our, on, on our foreheads. As we rise in our homes, we will teach our children about it. We'll tell our grandchildren about it. Oh God, let your word arise again. That as we stand in pulpits, we will not try to impress people. We will not try to motivate anybody. We will not try to make famous quotations of famous people. But that we will stand and declare the word of the Lord. For it is the word of God that is alive and powerful. Which is able to divide asunder between soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is the word of God that you sent your word and you heal them and you deliver them from their destruction. Your word declares that in olden days you spoke to the fathers through the prophets. But in these days you have spoken to us through your son who is the heir of all things. Who upholds all things by the word of his power. Thank you that you will uphold us by the word of your power. Thank you that you will uphold us by the word of your power. Thank you that you said that we must preach the word. We must be instant in season and out of season. We must declare your word without compromise. And thank you that this word is a seed. This word will produce results. We thank you that your word will never return unto you void. We thank you that your word will accomplish what you said. We thank you also that you said we must go everywhere. They went everywhere and they preached the word everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word. Thank you that you confirmed the word with signs following. Thank you that you confirmed that word even tonight. Thank you that you confirmed that word even in the lives of the people. Thank you that even the prophetic word you will confirm in our midst as we give you all the glory. All the glory. All the glory in Jesus' name. Join somebody's hands right now, everybody. Join somebody's hands right now. Declare it with me right now. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for a new season. The winds of change are blowing from tonight in our land in southern Africa the winds of change are blowing the rain of heaven is falling upon our lives thank you for a new season thank you for a new day thank you that you have declared a spiritual climate change once more 
the church will rise again in full power, in full glory, in full anointing. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you Rain upon us, Jesus. Rain upon us, Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit bring life to places that have been dead, O oh God. Awaken consciences that have been desensitized through your blood and through your Holy Spirit. Bring out of slumber those who are sleeping. God renew, revive. Let the divine visitation be experienced by your children. Remove the darkness from those who have been groping around in darkness. Let the light shine. Let revelation flow. And let the anointing fill. May we be the vessel ready for the master's use as you fill us to overflowing. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Welcome to the new visitation. Don't go yet. Don't go yet. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. I don't know about you, but I thank God that God has chosen us to be that generation. I said things are turning in the heavenlies. Things are turning. Turn it, turn it, turn it. 
Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. All right. Oh, Jesus. All right. Let's be seated. The transgenerational vision, why is it so important? Yesterday we saw in Genesis 21 how Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. We explained yesterday that that name everlasting God is the first time it's used, and in the Hebrew, it's the name Olam Olam or Olam Er. And that name Olam is a, it is the first time it's ever used. It's really difficult to explain, but properly, what that name means, Olam means properly concealed or, or vanishing point. Now, if it doesn't make sense, it's difficult to explain the name Olam. It also means generally time out of mind, past or future. Practically, the name Olam means eternity or ancient time. It means any more, continuance. It means eternal, everlasting. It means long time, old time, perpetual, beginning of the world. It means without end. It's, it's so hard. All these are from the Hebrew. Because when you talk about God and you, and, and you use the word time, the, the two can't go together. Because God is timeless. And when, when Abraham planted the tamarisk tree and called upon the name of Olam Olam, the eternal God, the everlasting God as it says, who are simply recognizing who God is in the light of where he was in his position. Here he is, after 25 years that God had given him a promise, he really didn't start out so well. But God had clearly given him a promise that I'm going to give you a child with your wife. It's a son from your own loins with your own wife. But Abraham had gone through a period of really not believing what God said. He did believe finally. He believed when it started. But in the process when it didn't happen, then he got Ishmael. But he even went to a point of when he was traveling and going to other nations of the world, knowing fully well his wife was beautiful and that the king of that land would want to take care for his heroine and kill him. He decides to lie and say the wife is his sister. To protect himself. So give her away into an illicit affair to protect himself. So really when he looks at himself, he's saying, you know, in these 25 years, if I was to tell the truth, God, I've really not been that great. But in spite of my failures, in spite of my own weaknesses, and in spite of the fact that you knew I would fail, you knew I would have issues. You still somehow kept your word. Because you are this God who is timeless. 
You are there before the beginning was the beginning. You are there when the end will be the end. You will be on the other side of it. You are Olam Olam. You know everything about us. And you will fulfill what you said in our lives in spite of us. Because you keep your covenant and you don't turn from your covenant. I worship you because you are this eternal God. A God who's timeless. A God who knows the end from the beginning. A God who knows that our lives, you, you are the alpha, you are the omega, you are the beginning, you are the end, you are the ancient of days. You are the God of our lives who is, truth, who is truthful even when we are not truthful. You are the God who is faithful even when we are not faithful. You are a God who keeps covenant even if we don't keep covenant. And the reason I have a baby is really not because I was so great. But it's because you are a covenant making and a covenant keeping God. You are Olam, Olam. And he plants a tree. A tamarack tree. In memorial of this day. There are four instances in the Bible where we see a tamarisk tree. That's in Genesis 21-33 that we're reading. 1 Samuel 22-6. 1 Samuel 31-13. Jeremiah 4-6. A tamarisk tree is a very interesting tree. It's an evergreen tree to start with. Number two, it grows slowly. Thirdly, even when planted in a place that is a desert, a tamarisk tree sinks its root deep into the ground all the way to the water table. So a tamarisk tree can survive even in dryness. <laughs> interesting. It doesn't have the natural type of leaves. But it has gray-green needle-like leaves, just like the pine needles. However, it provides a shade that is a pleasant coolness. At night, moisture increases in the cool air, and water vapor adheres to these needles and forms droplets. So in the morning, tiny droplets of water appear on these thin branches. And as the morning sun warms the air, the water droplets evaporate and cool the tree and cool the shade below it. So the symbolism of this tree and the prophetic significance of this tree is that a tamarisk tree is a symbol of eternal covenant. And it was the practice even in these days that when people made covenant, they would plant specifically a tamarisk tree. So Abraham planted a tamarisk tree as a memorial, secondly, of his recommitment to El Olam, the everlasting God. He's saying, God, now I'm recommitting myself to you because you are a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God, a timeless God. I'm aware that my life will work out as long as I trust you. Some of you, you may be in a period right now where things are not making sense. You've made the right decision. You've done what is right. You've prayed right. You've walked right before God. But everything that you see contradicts everything that you have done. This is not the time for you to walk away from Olam Olam. What God has said will happen no matter what it is that the devil says. Can I hear a big amen in the house? Abraham plants this tree because now he has a son that God promised. Now he has peace with his neighbors. Now he has water for physical life in the desert. 
He plants this tree because he says, now God, you've kept your promise. My life is filled with blessings. But not only when he plants this tree, he is celebrating the now. He's talking about the future. Because a tamarisk tree is a slow growing tree. We are told that when you plant it, you will not live to benefit from the shadow of the tree. But it's only the next generation that will sit under the shade of the tree. So the one who planted this tree had a multi-generational understanding. The one who's planting this tree, excuse me, is making a statement to the next generation, even if it's not born, that you will sit under the shade of my covenant with God. And so now we see how even in this place, Abraham's understanding is that God is a multi-generational understanding. Now, watch this, Barcelona. This is interesting. This is interesting. I want, to, I want to take you somewhere now. Tell your neighbor he's taking you somewhere right now. Look at your neighbor say, the scriptures is going to take you somewhere right now. Now, Barcelona, in Genesis 12 and Genesis 17, when God appeared to Abraham and gave him a promise, It's interesting when we read the Bible to note that the promise that God gave Abraham, some of it came to pass, but the major part of it only happened 400 years later. And God knew that Abraham wouldn't live to be 400 years old. Hang in there. That's important. This Olam Olam, this God who's outside of time, whom Abram makes a covenant with him and plants a tamarisk tree, an evergreen covenantal tree, when he speaks to Abram, says that to him. Let's read Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. Now we know it's Canaan land, but Abram never ever lived in Canaan land. He saw it, he sojourned in it briefly, but never stayed there. He says, I will make you a great nation. Talking about the Israelites. He never lived to see the fullness of that. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. That portion there is quoted in in the New Testament to refer to Jesus Christ. Already God is telling Abraham that through you, there's a savior of the world who would come. All families of the earth will be blessed. I'm starting with you in your lineage, but even if I'm starting with you in your lineage, my focus is not just you, it's the whole world. And Abraham never lived to see even Jesus being born. Why does God do those type of things? And when he speaks, he doesn't qualify it. When he speaks, he doesn't tell Abraham it's going to take 400 years. He just speaks. Why? Because you see, Olam, Olam, because he's a God who's outside of time. He's not time-bound. God sees the complete story of things from beginning to end. And because he doesn't live in time, God doesn't disconnect generations. Ah, you're missing me, man. God doesn't dissect generations. God doesn't separate generations. 
It's us a problem. We are the ones who separate ourselves. Let me make this as a side journey. When the Spirit of God wrote the seven letters to the seven churches in Asia, when he said to the, to the, to the, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, the church in Ephesus wasn't a one local church. There were many churches. He didn't say to the churches in Soweto. He says to the church in Soweto. Who is the church in Soweto? Presbyterian, Anglican, Roman Catholic, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Cruzimatic, Automatic, whatever-matic. Hmm? And God addresses the church in singular. Our mistake is that we don't think the way God thinks. We dissect and divide. The same way when it comes to vision and promise. God makes a promise to the one person, fully knowing that they may never live, to see the fulfillment. But if the generations learn to interconnect, like we are interconnecting with the gospel veterans. Then we will see the fulfillment of it. Look at Genesis 17. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I'm the almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I'll make my covenant between me and you and I'll multiply your seed exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face. God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of how many nations? How many nations? No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings shall come out of you. He never left to see any king. But when God speaks, it's like Israel and Zagalangok. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants. Watch. So God moves from the one man to the descendants to the generation. God is saying, Bon, I'm talking to you, but even if I'm talking to you, I'm talking to the seed inside of you. That's why the Bible, when it talks about one person, even when he was tithing, even the seed inside of him was tithing. I will make you exceedingly fruitful I'll make nations and kings come out of you I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations watch this for an everlasting covenant the everlasting God makes an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you also I'll give you and your descendants God moves from you to your children I'll give you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger all the land of Canaan is an everlasting possession and I will be their God. So when God gave Abraham a promise, he knew that there are certain parts of the promise that Abraham would not live to see in his lifetime. That certain parts of the promise would only be fulfilled in the lifetime of his descendants. Therefore, Mamelang, when God looks at us, he doesn't dissect generations. He does not disconnect generations. He sees our life as a continuing story. That's why, Basalana, none of us has any original anything. I don't have the original anointing. 
The anointing that has come upon my life was on somebody else's that has come upon my life. I may have a slight portion of my own, but really, none of us has come into the ministry by ourselves. Somebody trained us. Somebody preached to us. Somebody led us to the Lord. Somebody counseled us. Come on now, don't give me that look. None of us preaches anything original either. You read somebody's book. And you wrote an exam on somebody's book. Even if you aced the exam, it was somebody else's thoughts. Our Lord Jesus himself wasn't even shy to preach somebody's sermon. His first sermon went after he was baptized. He just said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was preaching from the book of Isaiah chapter 60. Why? Because with God, there's no disconnecting of generations. There's no disconnecting of generations. So when God looks at us, he doesn't dissect, disconnect generations. He sees our life as a continuing story. And when the fullness of his promises, rather, where the fullness of his promises can only be realized as one generation passes on the vision to the next generation. Therefore, vision according to God, God's modus operandi when it comes to vision is that vision is transgenerational. You may start vision and never live to see its completion. However, your job is to plant seeds that will begin to prosper and serve the here and the now and grow to produce what will serve the next generation to come. Just like in a relay race. The runners who run, each one of them has their own section, their own role. They're going to run several laps. What you must do is to make sure you run your lap well, you finish your laps, but at the end of you finishing your lap, you hand the baton to the next person. And the team only wins when everybody has done their part. Even if the first one runs well, if the last one doesn't run well, the whole team is disqualified or the whole team loses. And our mistake is we are so disconnected in terms of vision, in terms of understanding, and then we lose out, therefore, on being able to take the baton from the previous generation and run our race, finish our course, and hand over to the next generation. Are you there, Bazalan? Are you there, Bazalan? I strongly believe that the service where we honored the legends was precisely about the passing on of the vision. It was about the passing on of the anointing, the passing on of the mantle, the passing on of the mandate to us, the next generation. It was about clearing the spiritual hindrance that's been hovering over Southern Africa for many years due to our dishonor and our disconnect with the Abrahams of our time. So I have a deep understanding of how the transgenerational anointing works and how vision unfolds because vision is transgenerational in nature. Scripture shows us, and I'm going to end on this one, Scripture shows us the interconnectedness of generations in terms of fulfilling mission and vision. Go to Hebrews 11. I'll end with that. Hebrews 11. I want to show you something. Now, you know Hebrews 11 talks about the feats and the achievements of all the heroes and heroines of faith. 
how these men lived and these women lived and they did all these great things and they did this and some uh, 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 closed the mouths of lions, some were thrown in the den, some of them overcame this and it goes on and on. But then at the end, the last verse of Hebrews 11, verse 39 says, and verse 40 says, and all these, watch this now, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Let me decode it for you. It says all of this, they lived well, they lived right, they pleased God, but with some of them, there are certain things that were not fulfilled in their lifetime. They did what was right. They didn't disobey God. However, they passed on without the fulfillment of certain things. Watch. Next verse. Why? Verse 40. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Look at your neighbors not getting it and say, I can see you're not getting it. I can see you're not getting it. God having provided something better for us that they they, those people, they're they're the ones who have gone before us, they should not be made perfect from us. Now, next chapter, chapter 12. And remember, the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse. Hebrews 12, 1 starts, Therefore, for that reason, for what reason? For the reason that they, they passed on, they didn't See the manifestation of everything? And they cannot be made complete without us. For that reason, watch, watch. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who is the cloud of witnesses? The ones that they talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. They are sitting up in heaven. They are sitting up in the balconies in heaven. Looking down upon us who are running the race. They know what the race is like. They used to be there. They know what the race requires. They ran the race. They know the discipline required. So they are sitting there as a cloud of witnesses. Let us then lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Wow! Three things in these verses that I want us to look at. Number one, the heroes and heroines of faith lived with a good testimony and there are certain things about the vision promise that they didn't live to see in their lifetime. But then the Bible says, number two, God did this on purpose so that they should not be made perfect without us. Let me read it from other translations. One translation says, they should not be made complete without us. This is what it means. It means God will not make them complete without the next generation. Ah. God says, I started the story with you. You laid the foundation and put the steel structure. But that was your turn. That was your race. That was your lap. But the structure is not going to be complete if the next people who come don't pick up where where you left off. One translation says, so that they will not finish without us. 
What does it mean? It means God was not willing to finish what he started with them without the next generation. Let me say that again. God was not willing to finish with them what he started without the next generation. It also means to bring something to its intended goal. That word complete. It means God is saying that which I started and I intended to do through you I was not willing to finish without the next generations. And for that reason, because we are involved in the same project, after they've done their part, they sit on the grandstands in heaven as a cloud of witnesses cheering us on so that we can do our part. Because they, don't, they know if we don't do our part, their mission is not complete without us. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout in this house. These women and men have become our cloud of witnesses. They have become our cheerleaders. They are cheering us on from the balconies of heaven, urging us to run our lap as fast as possible, complete our lap. For they have passed on the relay baton to us. In short, the completion of the vision is going to be a team effort. But everyone must ensure that they do their portion. Paul understood this. When he was speaking to a young man who was to take over from him, Timothy. He says to him, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, he says, be watchful in all things, Timothy. Endure affliction when you are on that track and you feel the cramps are coming. And you feel like giving up. Just keep on running and do affliction. He says, Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Don't give up before offense, Timothy. I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering. Why? Because the time of my departure is at hand. I am handing over the baton, Timothy. Verse 7. I have fought a good fight, Timothy. He says, I have finished the race. Now I have finished my race. And Timothy, I have kept the faith. I'm handing over the baton to you. In the King James says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. My course. I, I finished my course. I, I haven't finished everything. I, is the, the, the vision is not fully completed. I have just finished my section of it. So you must also finish it. Hey, Timothy, I did phase one. You must do phase two. And now you must do phase three. Timothy, can I hear an amen in the house? I finished my course. So Paul says to Timothy, be watchful in all things that you also can finish your course in your generation. I'll, I'll pick up on this tomorrow. But I want to close with this, Barcelona. If you do not understand the importance of the transgenerational vision, and we don't understand the old generation can't be complete without us and we can't be complete without the next generation then we fail to understand the transgenerational nature of God and why the tamarisk tree is so important. It's a covenant tree. When we plant it, we say the next generation will sit under the shadow of it. It would be a shame for me, Pazalana, a hundred years from now, for this church to be sold 
and become a place of business. It would be a shame. I know when we are in heaven, we, we may not be too concerned about the things of the earth except the race that people are running. But if God was to give me a sight and see this church being like that, I might ask him to bring me back from the dead. And that's why I prayed years ago that for as long as this building stands, I've declared it as the founder of this church. That no other business will happen in this church except our Heavenly Father's business. These grounds, this yard, this building, these buildings can only be used for the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and woe be to any person who would ever try to convert it into anything else. It will cost them their very own lives and the lives of their children and their children's children. I declare it. I declare it. But for this to continue being what it is, it means you young people. You young people. Must connect with the faith of your fathers. You need to learn to serve and be a part of what's going on here and start when you are young and start very early. Because as you saw those gospel veterans, many of them have affected our lives. Many of them. We learned from them. Some close, some from a distance. I remember watching Muruti Kodisang going around with Reinhard Bonke. He used to pray for the sick. He was amazing. He used to come up and say, Hey, Lunadifofu, Lunadifofu, Lunadifofu. Kwa he was always amazing. He would pray for people. You'd see people being slain by the power of God. And he'd say, hey, I remember the tent was here. The tent was even over Go Go Jabulani Amphitheater, even Go Middlelands. I used to watch him. I used to watch Murutum Tswendi singing. He used to be the chorus leader in the tent year Reinhard Bonk. I watched him. I've heard about the late Mfundi Siraki man. When I went to Apostle, when I went to Venda years ago, I saw all churches planted there. Many of them, Kiabatseva, I can go through every one of them. But as they stood here the other day, I thought, I wonder if Grace Bible Church understands what's going on. They can't be complete without us. Some of them are already frail. Some of them have suffered physically. They've run their race. They've finished their course. Will we run our race? Will we finish our course? I'm asking. 50 years from now, 100 years from now, 
Will we still have this building full like this? Will we have people streaming from around the world? It can only be so when there's a deep understanding of the importance of a transgenerational vision. Last statements. You know, I used to read the story of Moses and Aaron and I. I just always wondered, Mara, why, why didn't Aaron become the successor of Moses? Because, I mean, he was the one God chose. Until I had noticed something. The difference between Aaron and Joshua. Even though Aaron served Moses, he never learned the ways of Moses. He never learned the commitment of Moses. Nor did he become loyal and faithful to serving Moses. It was Aaron after Moses had gone to the mountain for long that when the people came to him and said, Moses and this God, we don't know what has happened to them. Make us a golden calf. Make us rather other gods that we may worship them. Aaron, listen to them. When Moses comes back and says, what have you done? He says, the people. Aaron would never take personal responsibility or protect. Protect the values of the house. Protect and fight for it. Even if you lose friends. Even if people walk away. There are certain things you protect. There comes a time as a leader. If you're going to be a leader, a man and a woman who leads at a high level, there comes a time where you have to be willing to fight for and protect the values. Let them dislike you if they want to. So even if Aaron served next to a very anointed man, a man who spoke to God face to face, a man who raised his hands and the Red Sea opened. A man who raised his hands and quails fell from the sky. Manna came from heaven. A man who made the bitter waters of Maro sweet. A man who caught down the ten plagues in Egypt. Even though he was next to such a strong anointing, it never came upon his life. He was next to it, but it never permeated him. Mares for Joshua. When God called Moses up to the mountain, Joshua went. And Moses said, stay here. I'm going to go to God. And Joshua said there. And Moses stayed there for six days. And comes back to Joshua and says, now God wants to talk to him and goes back. And Joshua stays there and learns to wait. Not in a hurry. But wait listening to the command and the leadership and the direction of his leader. He sits there and he notices when his leader comes out of the presence of God, he is such a different person. And then one day when Moses goes into the presence of God out in the tent, Joshua, who is sleeping in the tent, says when Moses goes out, he says, Kikupa, please, will he allow me to stay here? In other words, I don't just want your teachings. I want the anointing that you have, Moses. 
and I don't want it unjustly. I want to spend the same amount of time that I saw you spending there. I want to sacrifice the same way you have sacrificed. I want to be able to pay the price like you paid the price. I don't just want your double portion. I want your disciplines. I want your values. I want what you have. I want your ability to wait. I want to learn. And Joshua learns to be in the presence of God. Learns the disciplines of Moses and the distinctives of Moses. Learns to do what Moses did. And when you learn to do what your leader did and what they do and what they value above everything else, then it's easy for that anointing to flow upon you. Yeah. This is what I want to ask you next generation. I'm hoping that you don't sit here in church and just love what we preach but never live the way we live. I'm hoping that you don't just sit here in church and never learn what we're trying to teach you in terms of prayer, the word, living right, honoring God, honoring others, prioritizing God, sacrificing for God, following God, serving God, because we can be complete without you. No way. And my prayer is that God will help us to be multi-generational in our thinking and that God will help us. Hold hands with your neighbor, please. Tonight, Lord, is a serious word that comes from you. As we mature in you and as we grow older, we ask ourselves serious questions. What's happening here is because of your hand. May it not happen as it happened in the book of Judges. Where the word says, and after that generation of Moses and Joshua, there arose another generation that didn't know God. We plead with you. May you not be like that. Oh God, please, may it not be like that. We're not saying the next generation should be like us in terms of method. We're saying in terms of heart, values, Love for you. We pray that they will not replace prayer, the word, love for you with other things. We pray that they will not be drunk with the prosperity you give them. 
The resources that they use that we have prayed hard for. That they will not take it for granted. We pray that you'll open their eyes. That even our children who grow up in church will not walk away from you and rebel. We pray that you will remove that blindness from their eyes. We pray that you will do away with the evil influence. We pray that the next generation will love you like we love you, if not love you more. That they will seek after you and not after wealth and after cars and after things. We pray that they will not repeat our mistakes and try to run into alcohol, womanizing, cults, dishonor and disrespect. We pray that they will not find an attraction in the glitz and the glamour that seems to be there in the world system. But that their love will be you. This is what we pray. As you have ordered the change of season, climate change, as we move into a new dispensation spiritually, we pray that the, the spiritual awakening will not only be a move of one generation. We pray that it will be an endless experience, a continuum that will finally end when Jesus comes back. This is what we ask for. This is our prayer. These are our tears. This is our petition. This is our intercession. This is our plea. This is our heart's cry. This is what our hearts are burdened with. Before you, O oh God. Follow me in this prayer, Heavenly Father. I pray for this, your child, whose hand I hold tonight. May they be faithful to the transgenerational vision. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand of praise as well.